voice in my head has been working overtime right now. It had to tell me, put the sour gummy worms down. Step away. Quit eating them. Quit filling your mouth with that awesomeness. I love me some gummy worms. And let's get to podcasting. So eventually, after a little debate, a little arguing, the voice in the head won. Put the gummy worms down. There really wasn't much of an argument. Because we love to do Edge of Your Seat podcast episodes. This is episode 98. Special guest Dave Garcia, former Putnam County baseball coach who got into the college ranks with Parkland College, then went to Western Carolina University D1 school, and is now at Southwestern Illinois College, otherwise known as SWIC. Definitely a baseball guy, loves his baseball. Back on the field, he did take a little bit of a break between Western Carolina and SWIC. Now he's back at it, and he's ready. He is ready for some baseball. They've been playing some summer league ball and ready for season to start and get into some baseball, no doubt. Great baseball mind. Most people in the area, if you were in the baseball world, definitely know who Dave Garcia is. He is a great baseball coach in the wins, in state tournaments, in World Series appearances with Parkland, shows that he is a great baseball mind. Before we get to baseball, tons of basketball things to speak of and other important news. I want to start this episode with a very special rest in peace to Shannon, was a good friend in Oglesby. I hate that it seems like every episode that I've been doing lately, there's been a rest in peace to someone, somewhere, whether it's a celebrity or somebody I know or an athlete or a coach. It is sad, but this is the world that we're kind of in right now. Cancer and COVID and everything else that hits us. Shannon was a good friend in Oglesby. I lived there from 2012 to 2018, most of the time in one apartment that was by local bars. From my apartment in Oglesby, I could legitimately walk to six or seven bars. They were everywhere. Shannon and I became pretty solid friends. She played darts, was on a dart league, and a mutual friend of ours who I've talked about on this podcast many times, my good friend Pops, who unfortunately rest in peace to Pops as well, but we got to know them really well. They had a dart league team on Thursday. It was a girls dart league. Women, we'll say women, not girls. Sorry, ladies. Pops and I would go cheer them on, support, and then afterwards, all of us would play. Some other people would come in, and there'd be 10, 12 people on two dart boards playing the game. It was a lot of fun, and Shannon was a huge part of that. She was one of those people, and excuse my language, I try not to cuss on here, but she just didn't give a fuck. She really didn't. She was one of those people that was going to be her, she was going to joke with you, she was going to push buttons, she was going to be who she was and say what she wanted to, and really didn't care if you liked it or not. And I kind of respect those people. I'm sort of like that, maybe not as brass and out there like that, but I'm a direct and blunt person too. But the way Shannon was is she was funny about it and was just like, hey, if you don't like it, then don't be by me. We don't have to be friends. I don't have to talk to you. If you like me, cool. I'm a ride or die. And she is a ride or die friend a ride or die family member, she was that person. She was kind of all or nothing. And I'm like that too, and I definitely respected that about her. Playing darts with her was a lot of fun. Her and I were partners quite often. I forget the what we call it now, but whoever was playing, you'd shoot one time to try to get closest to the bullseye, who was closest and the furthest away from the bullseye, they would be partners, so on and so on. Her and I were partners quite often. And I'm pretty sure we won some games. I like to say we won some games. But she lost her battle with cancer. There will be a celebration of life for Shannon at 1 p.m. on Saturday in Oglesby. Today's Friday, August 14th at 1 p.m. So in about 24 hours, there will be a celebration of life for Shannon. I'm doing it my way on the podcast with this uh, COVID-19 and, you know, working with public and things like that. I'm not trying to be around a lot of people, even though... I am there in spirit, and if things were different, I would definitely try to, you know, make an appearance and say hello to her other friends and loved ones. Shannon was always a good person to be around, and she will definitely be missed. There's no doubt about that. Sports-wise, today is an important day in the life of NBA. Lots of things going on, including today being the last day of regular season. Playoffs start Monday, but Saturday and Sunday is going to have playing games for the eighth seed in the Western Conference playoff race, and that is between the current eight seed, 
Portland Trail Blazers and the nine seed Memphis Grizzlies. The Grizzlies are a half game behind on Saturday. There's going to be a game at 1.30 between Memphis and Portland. If Portland wins, then Portland's in the playoffs. Memphis is not. If Memphis beats Portland on Saturday, they will play again on Sunday at 3.30. And that would be the final game of the regular season if they get to Sunday. I would really like for Memphis to win on Saturday and then Portland pull it out on Sunday. I like both teams. Huge fan of John Morant. I know Jaron Jackson Jr. is injured and not going to be playing. Huge fan of his. I like his game. But man, Damian Lillard is probably my favorite player in the NBA right now. I am super pumped that he is on the cover of NBA 2K21 coming out pretty soon here. And I'm going to cop that game with him on the cover. Hopefully they give the pretty sweet backdrop that you can put on your PlayStation. Last year's was Dwayne Wade with a, a Miami feel. Hopefully they got Damian Lillard on this one and I will rock it for an entire year until I get the next NBA 2K. But Lillard is my favorite player right now and I want to see Portland in the playoffs. If Portland gets in, they would be playing the Lakers in the first round. And Lakers in Portland is a crazy matchup because of the versatility of Damian Lillard and what the Lakers would have to do defensively against Portland. Their offense is pretty dynamic. Downfall for Portland is their defense. They cannot stop anybody. So with players like Anthony Davis, LeBron James, the shooters they have, it's going to be hard for Portland to stop the Lakers. But it will be a lot of fun. It will be interesting to see what would happen there. That is the series that I would like to see in the first round is Portland and L.A. But they got to get through Memphis first. So let's see you do it. Tear it up, Lillard. I have a list of other NBA topics I want to discuss real quick. But before we get to those, let's have a word from the sponsor. During the COVID-19 coronavirus quarantine, you spend a lot of time around the house. Whether it's watching TV, cooking dinners, taking showers, playing in your bedroom, you've probably seen some things that could be fixed or renovated. Whether it's a light fixture or an entire kitchen remodel, Olson Construction is here to help. The family-owned and operated company prides itself in offering family prices with family honesty. Olson Construction specializes in roofing, siding, windows, doors, deck designs, remodels, garage additions, and room additions. Owner Keith Miles has been in construction for over 10 years and is willing and able to take care of your home renovations from start to finish with your thoughts and opinions taken with every step of the journey. For a free estimate, call Olson Construction, which is fully licensed and insured at 815-910-5982. Olson Construction can also be contacted on Facebook at the Olson Construction LLC page or via email olsonconstruction19 at gmail.com. With the regular season ending, something else ended too going into the playoffs. The San Antonio Spurs, 22 straight years of being in the playoffs, gone. Over. No more. No mas. The Spurs finished 32-39 and 39 in the 11th spot. Definitely not making the playoffs. It is sad because, obviously, the last 22 years, I'm 34, they have been dominating for more than half of my life. Got to see the David Robinson years and the Tim Duncan years and the Tony Parker years, the Manu Ginobili years. Steven Jackson was a big piece of that program. Robert Horry, Steve Kerr. The names will go on and on and on and on. And this year's different. It's really weird not seeing the black and silver of the San Antonio Spurs in the playoffs. Like year in and year out, you expected them to be there. They were that anchor of the NBA playoffs that you knew was going to be there. They're going to hold it down. Not this year. They made that trade sending Kawhi Leonard to Toronto for DeMar DeRozan. And although DeMar DeRozan is a great player, he is not on that level of Kawhi Leonard. And then your go-to big is LaMarcus Aldridge. Again, a great player, a year-in, year-out all-star, but not Tim Duncan. So the stars drop down a little bit. They don't have a Tony Parker. They don't have a Manu Ginobili for that depth, for those clutch threes, for that precision pass that they need. So the skills went down. The level of superstars you had went down. Your bench went down. And here you are at 32 and 39 and not making the playoffs. It's sad, but it's kind of cool at the same time because you got 
somebody, a team that has a chance that you didn't think would have a chance to be in there. So if the Spurs are in there, Portland Trailblazers and Memphis Grizzlies are not playing to get in. Maybe the Mavericks don't make it, who are the seventh seed. You know, the Spurs have a better record that could push one of those teams out. And now it's giving them a shot to shine against the number one seed Lakers or the number two, the Los Angeles Clippers, or even number three, Denver Nuggets, depending on where they got in there. So it's cool at the same time that it's sad. It's sad because a team that most of us grew up with and are used to being dominant isn't in there, but at the same time, it opens doors for other players to shine in the playoffs. Either way, it's definitely different and crazy not to see San Antonio in there. I know I've said that about three or four times, but really, it's crazy. I would not expect that to happen. August 24th is going to be a special day, at least in California, but if you're in the NBA world, everywhere. Orange County, California has named August 24th Kobe Bryant Day. That is awesome. Very special athlete, very special human being whose life was taken way too soon in a helicopter crash. We all know about it. It rocked the world before Corona got here. It was the first tragedy of the year, at least in my life. And like I said, if you're in the NBA world, it was a tragedy to anybody's life. That was the first one of the year. There's been many, many more since then. I'm not trying to laugh. It has been an insane year with all kinds of tragedies and sadness and uh, just all that other stuff you don't want to talk about. But Kobe Bryant Day, August 24th, I will definitely try to celebrate it in any way I can, whether it's watching Kobe clips or maybe I'll get a Kobe Bryant jersey. I do not have one yet or a Lakers shirt or something to remember Kobe Bryant. Definitely a polarizing figure in my life. And if you're around anywhere from 20 to 40, maybe even 15 to 45, somewhere in that era, Kobe Bryant touched you as a sports fan. You can't say that enough. You can't underestimate that enough of what that meant to sports fans all across the world. So Kobe Bryant Day, August 24th, I will definitely be celebrating. I should have probably led with this one, but it's kind of been news. Like we knew this was going to happen. As soon as they hired Jim Boylan, I figured the Chicago Bulls would fire him in one or two years. And they did. After two seasons, Jim Boylan finished 39-84. and 84, Awful. And they fired Jim Boylan as the head coach of the Chicago Bulls. I was not a fan of the hire when they hired him. I didn't think he was a good head coach. Maybe an assistant coach. But just his personality, the way that he goes about his business, I didn't like him. I didn't think he was a fit for Chicago. And especially the personnel that they had there. He is not the guy to lead a very, very young and inexperienced team to try to get over the woes of the losing seasons that the Chicago Bulls have had as of late. Zach Levine needs somebody a little bit younger and a little bit more offensive aggressive. Not a defensive coach who is sit back, we're going to push it in the paint and try to pound people to death. That was what Jim Boylan wanted to do. That is not the squad that he had with the Chicago Bulls. He has finesse players. He has slashers and dunkers. He does not have ground and pound players like he wanted to do. And the NBA is not a ground and pound league anymore. Centers don't dominate anymore. Offensive, athletic, creative guards do. The Zach Levines, they prosper in today's league. Not the ground and pound ball that Jim Boylan was trying to play. So I'm glad he's out. I'm very, very curious and interested in who Chicago brings in next. I would like to see a younger face who is more hip to today's game. Jim Boylan was playing 1990s ball. This is not 1990s anymore. It is a fast, athletic, slasher, three-point shooting game. They didn't have a lot of three-point shooters. They didn't go to it a lot, and it cost them in the long run. Obviously, two years, 39 and 84. He wasn't playing today's game, so he got beat not playing today's game. So thank you, Chicago Bulls for making the future at least a little brighter. Don't know if we're going to sign any big free agents or bring in you know, a mass superstar player, but having a new coach come in and start a new era, a new vibe around the team would be good news. Mentioned it a couple times. Today is the last day of regular season. Most games do not matter. Actually, today's games don't matter. All the seeds are locked in for the most part. The only games that really do matter before the playoffs start, the play-in games between Portland and Memphis that we already spoke about earlier. So let's run down what we have in the Eastern Conference right now. The number one seed, Milwaukee Bucks, who I think are going to the Eastern Conference Finals and will probably be in the NBA Finals. 
I don't see how that does not happen. They are the best team in the East by far, if you ask me. I know Toronto is good, but Milwaukee is just on another level. But the Milwaukee Bucks, as a one seed, will play the number eight Orlando Magic. I believe that's going to be a sweep. Number two, Toronto Raptors against number seven, Brooklyn Nets. Brooklyn has been a good story, trying to build somewhat of a dynasty there. Obviously, when Kevin Durant comes back after his injury, Kyrie Irving's there. Got some big pieces, some great players. They are going to be on the come up. But this year is a seven seed against number two, Toronto. Might be a five-game series, who knows. But I'm definitely picking Toronto. Then we got number three, Boston Celtics against six, Philadelphia 76ers. The Sixers are one of those teams that underachieve every year for the last two or three years to me. Joel Embiid, awesome big man. Ben Simmons can do everything. They got shooters. They got everything you need to be great. But for some odd reason, they cannot put it together because I guess it's the personalities or the way the players play. I don't think Simmons and Embiid are a good fit together. But they underachieved for the last two or three years. So going in as a sixth seed against Boston, I think Boston takes it in six. Then the last series, number four, Miami Heat. Number five, Indiana Pacers. This is going to be a good one. Young, dynamic, athletic, offensive scoring teams. I like both squads. I think Miami is going to pull it out. Probably a six or seven game series. In the West, like I said, the number one Lakers will meet either the Portland Trailblazers or the Memphis Grizzlies. Number two, Los Angeles Clippers against Dallas Mavericks. I love the Mavericks lineup. Obviously, it's a lot better with Porzingis in it, who is not there at the moment. But Luka Doncic is amazing. I like Justin Jackson coming off the bench. Yesterday against Phoenix Suns, he dropped 13 and had two rebounds. Tim Hardaway Jr. is a pretty good player. I like watching him. So I'm excited to see what happens with Dallas, but I do not think that they have what it takes against the crazy lineup of the Clippers. I mean, it all starts with Kawhi Leonard, Paul George. That says it right there. You have two of the top, I'm going to say seven players, maybe ten players. Kawhi Leonard's in top three, top four conversation. Paul George, top seven, top ten conversation. Then add the role players that they have around him. Montrez Harrell, monster rebounder. Lou Williams can shoot the lights out. Patrick Beverly can shoot the lights out and is a good point guard to lead the offense. Marcus Morris can hit mid-range jumpers or threes on call. Reggie Jackson, a good backup point guard who can take control of the game when need be. They have a dynamic, well-versed lineup that I do not think Dallas can contend with. Then three Denver Nuggets. Utah Jazz, that would be a great series. I don't know who would take that, actually. I can see the Jazz knocking off the Nuggets. Of course, the Nuggets came into the season as a go-to team, and at times people were talking about them maybe knocking off the Lakers or the Clippers to be the best team in the West. Didn't see that happen, and it didn't happen. And I can honestly see the Jazz, with the way they play defense, to take out the Nuggets. Still going to say the Nuggets win, but I would not be surprised if the Jazz take it. And then the four seed, Oklahoma City Thunder, five seed, Houston Rockets. I want the Rockets to take this. I am a fan of James Harden, a fan of Russell Westbrook. And it would be cool to see the two of them together knock out the OKC Thunder. Even though they've been playing well with a roster of not huge names, just solid basketball players. Chris Paul leading the way. Steven Adams still a veteran big man, grabbing boards, playing some solid defense. Dennis Schroeder has his times when he steps out and does what he has to do to win games for them. Danilo Gallinari, Andre Robertson, Nerlens Noel, just some guys that just know how to play the game, even though their names are not huge, but they get the job done. Hamadou Delayo, I said his name wrong. I always say his name wrong. He's, again, got one of those names that I could try to say a million times and I might get it right twice. He is a good player, great shooting guard, a young player who has the potential to grow into a big star in the NBA. Definitely a better than a role player kind of player if he keeps developing the way he has so far. The intro has definitely turned episode 98 into an NBA podcast, but let's flip it over to baseball. Let's talk to our friend Dave Garsha right before we kick into that conversation, which is a good one. Let's do our little plugs real quick. Don't know where you're listening to this podcast, this episode, but you can check out all previous 97 episodes and the ones to come in the future on Spotify, 
Apple Music iTunes, and Google Music. On social media, follow us on Facebook, Edge of Your Seat Podcast, and Twitter, Edge of Your CP. Any suggestions that you have for future guests, any comments that you want to leave about something I say, something the guests say, any questions you want answered, anything, feel free to shoot an email at edgeofyourseatpodcast at gmail.com. Well, think I've talked enough in the intro? Let's officially get to Coach Garsha. Until next time, peace. With Major League Baseball back in session, college baseball back in session, Illinois high school sports sort of back in session. They're at least planned to take place. There are going to be sports going on in the fall as we speak right now, the last day of July 2020. But with baseball means that my special guest, Dave Garsha, has some stuff going on. How's it going, Garsha? Um, just like everybody else, man. I'm just kind of waiting around to see what the next move is. Definitely. And I say you like that, intro you like that, because I know you as a baseball guy. When I first got to the local paper in 2011, you were the head coach of Putnam County Baseball. And from there, we've stayed in touch. I've talked to you here and there, and it's always been about baseball. So I know you were very excited when you actually got to play some games. Oh, yeah, it's been it's been nice. I mean, I think everybody right now is just kind of excited. I don't know, just play baseball and, and get some sort of entertainment outside. <laughs> you know, everybody was cooped up all spring. So, no, it's been, uh, it's been therapeutic, to say the least. Do you feel that way with your players, too? Has it been therapeutic for them to get out of the house, back on the field, back in the weight room, things like that? Have you seen it through them? I think so. I mean, for years, just sometimes – Sending college baseball players, sending college baseball players away in su- in, for summer leagues can sometimes be taken different ways. Some kids are really excited about it, but more times than not, after the grind of a college season, some of those kids look at that almost like summer school. I mean, they want to go home. They want their bodies to recover. They want to train different ways. They want to they want to lift. They want to eat healthy. You know, traveling and doing the summer thing just really, in a lot of leagues, just doesn't allow that. So a lot of kids were kind of shying away from it. Now, I mean, kids are just knocking down the door trying to play. So obviously the times are calling for it. So kids are really excited to be out here. I've been really fortunate down here to have a lot of guys, a lot of guys I have passed with. And uh, I've met a lot of great new kids. And, you know, they're just excited to be out here. So as long as I can fill up a lineup card and not screw it up too bad, I'm excited to be at the ballpark every day. Definitely. And not only are you dealing with, you know, kids getting back to, I guess we should call them athletes. They're in college now. So these athletes getting back on the field. I mean, this is a a new gig for you. You are starting your first year with Southwestern Illinois College. So how has it been with the transition? Like we said, they weren't able to play baseball. Their season was cut short. And then now we're getting back on the field and there's a new coach. How have things been clicking for you? It's been good so far. I mean, I just, I mean, I officially got named... Uh, I think like a week ago, a week and a half ago, but I've, I've pretty much known since April. It takes time to get through the process and everything like that, so it's kind of a secret that everybody knew about, but we had the recruiting trail hard and trying to get some players to come there. I think, you know, obviously with everything hidden in March this year, a lot of kids, you know, at, at, at SWIC, but a lot of college were just kind of left wondering what's going to happen. So I'm just trying to, you know, come in and provide some stability and make kids excited that... Hopefully, the spring of 2021 is a lot better than spring of 2020. And how many games have you got in so far since the season kind of just started not too long ago? Uh, for the summer league, uh, summer league. we are uh, 21. I think we're 21 games in right now. And when did the summer league start? Uh, we started July 1st. Everything's down at the Corn Crib and Normal. I'm actually coaching for the Corn Belters again. I coach for them when they were in the Frontier League for... Like four years, I think. Uh, I coached for the original corn belters, and now I'm the manager of the, the collegiate level corn belters. So uh, we're about 21 games in. We got a couple weeks left, and then guys are starting to uh, get sent back to school. My shortstop, uh, Trevor Minder, tonight or tomorrow is our, our last night with Trevor. He's at Tulane. Uh, he was with me at Parkland, but Tulane's calling him back. A couple kids that go to Nichols State are heading back so everybody's going to start dispersing here over the next couple of weeks so hopefully uh you know we can finish strong we've been playing well so far we're in first place but you know you're only as good as your last game so <laughs> talk to me tonight after the game and i'll tell you how good we are <laughs> so are you trying to tell me that you need me to suit up and be down there in a, in a week or so <laughs> if you can replace a uh, division one shortstop for me tonight yeah come on down <laughs> i'm down that is a hard no <laughs> that is a definite no <laughs> 
he's leading the league in hitting too, so you got some big shoes to fill. Oh no, I might be able to replace your best water boy. I am not going to be able to be a shortstop. Uh, I'll tell you, with COVID now, we don't even get to have water in the dugouts. These guys got to bring their own, so we don't even have room for you as a water boy. Oh wow! So I am definitely kicked off the team before I even get on. <laughs> we need a sanitizer. You know, <laughs> just around, just sanitize everyone's hands. You can do that. Perfect. I'm your man. All right, so we've mentioned a lot of places. Last time I talked to you, you were at Western Carolina University as a assistant coach. So we'll, we'll kind of timeline for people that do not know. So you were at Putnam County, then you went to Parkland College, then you went to Western Carolina, then you took a break from baseball, worked at a casino, and now you're at SWIC, correct? Yeah, that's right. That's about right. So yeah, I started at Putnam County, I think in, oh boy, it seemed like forever ago, 05. I was there until 2013, and then I was at Parkland until 2018. And then I was at Western for a couple years and decided uh, to kind of take a step away and uh, concentrate on trying to have like a normal schedule, family schedule. And I was able to do that. And then COVID hit and kind of left us up in the air and had some... um, had some family issues come up that made us want to get back to Illinois. And my girls, I don't know if you know, they're huge into dance and their dance schools here in Champaign. So they were, you know, they kind of batted their eyes at me and asked to come back. So we're trying to figure out, uh, just trying to figure out a lot of details with that, but they're happy to be back. And obviously their grandmas and grandpas are, are happy that they're back in the state, but I really like North Carolina. It's a beautiful state. I really enjoyed my time out there, but just kind of needed a change and try to put some things in perspective. And I've always kind of been a Juco guy uh, in every sense of the word. So <laughs> I've always enjoyed the junior college game. The NCAA division one level is it's a good level. There's a lot of good people. There are a lot of good coaches. I just feel like the NCAA in, in general, it's really nothing against Western. It's just kind of a, it's different. It's not, I don't feel like it's built for the players like junior colleges. And that's what I always liked about junior colleges. We always had, you know, we had the freedom to, to work with our players all year. And if there were guidelines, my athletic director really never gave them to me. <laughs> but I mean, if there were, they were, they were a little, uh, a little looser where the NCAA, I mean, you're given an exact timeline each week on how long you can be around your kids. And, it drove me nuts because we had a lot of kids out there that were grinders that wanted to work. And I had to take a step back a lot of times because we were over our hours or close to our hours. And I mean, any contact with them, you're actually supposed to report it to compliance and things like that. And I just think, I feel like that's a flawed system. I think you're, you know, you're handcuffing coaches and you're handcuffing kids that want to work a lot. I just don't think that's fair. So it really wasn't for me. And being an assistant coach, is definitely not for me. I think uh, I enjoy kind of being the head guy and, you know, dealing with all the, the ridicule of the head coach. I'd rather kind of be in charge of, of those things. So, you know, Swick called me in April a few weeks after uh, COVID hit and kind of told me their plan. And I, I'm familiar with that area because I was in the Frontier League for 10 years and uh, started off down in that area. And I knew, I know a lot of great people in the Frontier League and you know, I'm going to be in the same town as the Frontier League front offices so I know all those guys down there and that's actually kind of what opened the door for me at Swick so um, I'm really excited about being down there it's a really good school and a, and a great uh, and a great location of St. Louis so I'm excited to get down there for sure definitely that was my next question for people that don't know where Swick is so it is in St. Louis it's in Belleville uh, we're like 15 minutes from downtown point of reference I, I'm able to take my recruits to Ballpark Village so we're that close you know which is nice I mean any any chance I can to, to get down there I mean I'm, I'm in heaven you know we're right there I mean we've got a great park to play at the school's a great school academically and athletically they pretty much you know welcome me with open arms and have been extremely supportive and you know it's kind of a you know it's kind of a clean slate down there with, with the program we're going to try to build it and turn it into what we turned Parkland into uh, my last couple of years there as a national contender so you know we'll get it there just give me a few years and I'll get it there but I'm excited I really am I can't wait to get down there full time definitely that's awesome so let's rewind a little bit there were some things that you said that I wanted uh, to ask questions on first uh, we'll start with Western Carolina because you and I have talked tons of Putnam County, tons of Parkland stuff. We've done a lot of stories. So I'm figuring at this time, people probably already know that red stuff. I guess just in case we have new listeners that haven't touched on that stuff, if you want to just, you know, talk about your time at Putnam County, being in the high school 
ranks and then going to get your first taste of the JUCO level at Parkland and how that suited you? It was good. I mean, I, it was, uh, you know, I graduated from Putnam County, and when I, when I graduated from Putnam County, I actually played at Parkland. So I was able to coach and teach at, you know, the school that I graduated from, my alma mater, and the same thing at Parkland. I mean, it was good. You know, we had a nice run, you know, athletically at, at Putnam County while I was there. We had great basketball teams, both men and women, great softball teams, great baseball teams. You know, volleyball uh, had some good runs there. I mean, collectively as the athletic department, I was working very close with Bob Peterson and Jay McCracken, and, you know, they were very supportive of athletics. It, it was a fun time, and my last year there, you know, our team went to the state championship and, you know, came up a little short. But I was, you know, in the Frontier League at that time, so in the summertime I was on the road. You know, Putnam County kind of allowed me to do that to where, you know, I was in the office nine months out of the year, and then for three months I would basically be in St. Louis or I was all over the country with uh, the River City Rascals uh, coaching. So, yeah, that was my summer, and, you know, they called me up. Parkland called me up and offered me a head job, so I went down there. And I was at Parkland for five years, and uh, first two years were kind of getting my feet wet. I got, I had, you know, I had Jake Sale, uh, Xavier Warren from Putnam County. I had... Noah Lamboli from LP. I had a bunch of Marquette guys. Uh, we started recruiting some Hall guys for obvious reasons and really kind of started the ball rolling. And I think my third year there, we went to the World Series. We finished eighth. Uh, my fourth year there, we finished third in the country. And my last year there, we lost in the national championship on a home run that still haunts me in my dreams. Um, so, yeah, that's how I ended at, at Parkland. And then I went out to Western Carolina. I had an opportunity and, you know, just had never seen that part of the country and was kind of looking for a new challenge. I guess I'm in the latter part of my life right now trying to, trying to, some people want to try to settle down. I'm trying to find new challenges. So went out there and enjoyed my time there. Met a lot of great people, met a lot of great kids. And from a baseball standpoint, just wasn't what I was looking for. I really, you know, anybody that knows me knows that I love baseball and I'll, I'll do baseball for 15 hours a day if I can. And I just really didn't enjoy it and just kind of needed a break and uh, kind of took, I call it my baseball sabbatical and uh, try, try to find myself in a casino. So at Western, you said before that, you know, you would prefer to be the head coach. Did you find yourself in moments like biting your lip or wanting to say something that maybe you would override a coach and you're like, oh, I can't say that. Did you have moments like that? <laughs> oh, God, yeah. And, you know, it wasn't fair to the head guy. You know, that, that was just me. I mean, there's just, uh, there were certain things that I thought were, should be done a certain way. And, you know, I just, yeah, I had to bite, you know, a lot of us were always biting our lip and a lot of things we wanted to say, we couldn't say. And, you know, it wasn't a, it wasn't a culture where you were free to share ideas and just kind of felt stifled a little bit to be completely honest. And, uh, I needed an opportunity to have a little bit more freedom and, uh, you know, just were done where things were done correctly on the field and off the field. And just, it, it wasn't being done there. You know, whatever. I mean, I, the thing is, I, I learned a lot. I think sometimes you can you can learn uh, more from people that you disagree with than good leaders. I think, and that was my experience out there. And I, I had tremendous uh, uh, relationships with all my players. I still talk to all of them today. You know, do anything for them, they do anything for me. And those guys were were phenomenal and hard workers. And you know, I'm lucky to still have good contact with them. And you know, actually, a bunch of them are actually coming with me to Swick. I'm kind of excited to get to coach them a second year. That was another thing I wanted to touch in on because you were saying, you know, you were, had some ties with some of these players from the past. Who are some guys that you brought in from either SWIC or the Illinois Valley? Some guys that you have coming around your program that you're familiar with? From uh, to SWIC, I've got uh, Jimmy D'Angelo. Really excited to add a, a quality arm like Jimmy. He's, um, you know, he was at Parkland and decided he needed a change of scenery and you know, uh, his head coach is a good friend of mine. It was uh, John Goble, who was my pitching coach. And, you know, John and, and Jimmy have a great relationship, and there was, you know, no hard feelings whatsoever. They, uh, you know, just kind of looking for the right fit. And, you know, he left Parkland on very good terms with very good uh, recommendations. And I obviously needed a frontline arm. And anybody that knows Jimmy D'Angelo knows what he's capable of doing. I needed to add a guy like Jimmy, a guy that's won, and a guy that knows you know, where he has in his career to compete in the GRAC. The, the GRAC is the conference that swicks in, and it's a, you know, it's it's a gauntlet. So uh, I'm really excited about adding Jimmy. He's the only Illinois Valley guy that I've got, but I've got Brent Vanneman, 
uh, playing for me this summer, another Hall guy, uh, and he's he's done a great job for us, and really excited to have him. But he's he's actually at Parkland right now. They're going to have a great year, and I think Brant's going to be a huge part of that as well. Brant and Jimmy are both friends of the podcast. They've both been on here while they were with Parkland. Actually, I think I talked to them like right after COVID stopped everything. They were both back home like, man, what are we going to do with our lives? <laughs> <laughs> no, they're doing good. Those two are, you know, those guys have done a phenomenal job of you know, really understanding the game and the, and the training aspects that go into baseball, like with their bodies and their off season. So, I mean, those kids are, they're never going to be bored too long. They're, they're going to get involved some way, you know, with, with arm training or, or weightlifting or hitting or anything like that. Those guys, they know what they're doing. So I'm excited to have Jimmy and I'm excited for Brand. obviously. I mean, being a Parkland guy and being an Illinois Valley guy, I want Parkland to be successful. I want Jimmy and obviously to win games for me and I want Brant to win games for Parkland so we're all kind of in this together awesome who are some guys that you were bringing or trying to recruit from Western Carolina that you coached before I got uh, let's see Jalen Jones is coming with me Uh, he was our shortstop as a freshman Uh, Michael Gorig catcher Uh, Mike started for us as a freshman at Western and uh, Colin Birch who was all freshman team SOCON uh, second baseman, third baseman, they're all coming out there with me. So they're all excited. I think they always heard us talk about uh, the good old days of Juco ball. And, you know, I think they got, you know, a little frustrated with some of the rules, you know, with, with Division One. They're, they're kids that just want to work. They want to grind it out. You know, junior college rules and regulations are a little more conducive to a kid that, you know, wants to stay out there with their coach and learn and things like that. And they're looking just for new opportunities and new doors to be opened up so i'm excited to have all three of those guys they're they're three of my favorites so they're all coming out there with me did you have any issues with western carolina in terms of like poaching players or anything like that <laughs> i don't know <laughs> i wouldn't know i you know they they called me they they entered the transfer portal there's i think there's there's been a lot of guys that entered that transfer portal since boy since last june so I didn't take anybody, but I sure picked up some runaways. <laughs> so I you, that that way. I, I didn't take anybody, but I I surely accepted them after they left. So, so you kind of did it like the, I guess we'll say the legal way. Yeah, I mean there was nothing there was nothing shady about it. I think there's just a lot of people that want out of there. To be quite honest with you, they just wanted a different opportunity, and they obviously know me and they trust me, so. They asked me, and I gladly accepted because they're three really good players and three good students and three great kids. So I'm, I'm, that's how you build winning programs. You have people like that, and you center your team around them. 10, 15 years ago, I started to see this trend, especially when I was at SIU. I seen so many athletes come into the baseball program, basketball program, uh, volleyball program, football team, and then all of a sudden, like a year or two later, and it all shifted, and those guys are gone. Other guys are coming in. They're there for a year. I mean, of course, you got your four-year players or your three-year players, guys that had come in from JUCO originally. But you've seen the number of transfers out to go to different JUCOs. John A. Logan's right outside of SIU. So I would see players at SIU, and then the next year they're at John A. Logan still tearing it up. And I, I didn't quite understand it, but I see it more and more and more every year. You know, I think there's just a bunch of reasons for that. People can take away what they want for it, but I think in 2020, social media and communication has never been greater. And also, I think kids are getting more educated, too, and they're trying to find what works for them. And I think the recruiting at Division One has moved forward so fast. I think some programs, you know, tend to they get these kids to commit their freshman year their sophomore year you know and sometimes things just don't pan out like the kid wants to or the head coach wants to and before you know it that kid's you know sitting for a couple years and they're not happy and to be honest with you a lot of high or a lot of college programs you know they they realize they miss on kids and you know the transfer portal has given both the player and the program opportunities to kind of start fresh and look elsewhere. I think at one point this, uh, this spring, there was like close to a thousand kids in the portal for baseball. And I think a lot of that had to do with obviously the COVID rosters were getting backed up just because instead of graduating, a lot of these kids were planning on coming back. You know, I think a lot of program, a lot of really good programs are going to find themselves having too many players this year. And it's not any fault of their own. You know, obviously with the draft getting changed to, to five rounds they recruited two three years out 
you know, they've got players coming in, but they just didn't have the players graduating. So, I mean, they're all kind of stuck right now. And I think you're going to see kids hitting the portal probably a lot throughout the fall, just looking for mid-year transfers. But, you know, and I, I think it's just kind of the nature of recruiting right now. I mean, you see, I saw like uh, there's a power five high school or college program just signed an eighth or just got a commitment from an eighth grader the other day. From an eighth just, grader? From an eighth grader. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, I, I've seen them too. I mean, when I was down in, I was in South Carolina recruiting, and there was a kid who was just turned 15, had committed to a Power Five verbal commitment. Obviously, they hadn't signed anything, but still, that's just that's kind of where programs are. I mean, they're just they're trying to compete with the Joneses, and they're trying to work ahead so far. I mean. I don't know. I, I'm more of a step-by-step type of guy. I want to try to understand what the team, the team I have this year and try to build off it. I mean, that's just me. You know, maybe these guys can see in the future better than I can. But recruiting in general, I think for all sports, has just moved so far ahead. Sometimes I think they get too far ahead of themselves. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking at 15-year-olds and 8th graders, that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, that was our issue last year. I think I was down in Atlanta for about three weeks uh, at Lake Point. And we were recruiting kids that were sophomores in high school. And I guess it's hard for me to understand if this is a kid we need outside of an arm. You know, obviously everybody always, you need pitching, but you just never know how the next two years recruiting class are going to pan out. Maybe you don't need this kid. You know, I think a lot of programs sometimes just try to stockpile as much talent as they can and move guys around as they need to. And the portal has given them kind of an out. And it's, it's worked for a lot of programs. I mean, agree with it or disagree with it. I think really at the end of the day, recruiting is being pushed by, by families more than being recruited by coaches or being pushed by coaches. I think if you ask a lot of college coaches, they even think that they're too far ahead, but they have to. I think parents and kids are kind of in a, a war trying to commit so they can put it on Twitter as soon as possible. I just don't think that's necessary. You, know, you just see kids that are just, you know, they, they enter their junior year and they're not committed to college yet. And parents are telling you, well, you know, why, why aren't people calling? They're behind the eight ball. And it's like, oh, geez, you don't get it. You really don't get it. It's not like that. The social media world, like you said, putting that on Twitter as soon as you get an opportunity to, I think is stunted recruiting just a tad. Yeah, everybody wants to say they're honored and blessed. Uh, to announce where they're going to be continuing their career. Yeah, that's great. You know, I, it's it's good because kids nowadays, I mean, are working so hard at such a young age. You know, I'm sure they probably get to 16 or 17, and they want everybody to know they're proud of it. I get that. At the end of the day, I always laugh that, you know, you see these 15, 16-year-olds announcing their commitments, but they never, you know, their freshman, sophomore year, you never hear from because they're not playing, you know. <laughs> and, you know, I, you just, you see that happen a lot. I mean, they're quick to announce where they're going, but they're very, very quiet once they go there because they're not seeing the time. And, you know, for, for whatever reason, you know, I just think that social media has created, you know, has put the spotlight on recruiting and, and made people want to do it too fast. I never really thought about that before, but now as you're saying and giving examples and stuff, yeah, I mean, I could totally see how that would be kind of, in a weird way, kind of detrimental to a program. Yeah, I mean... You know, you were down at Southern, you know, Carlton Faye was a phenomenal basketball player at Putnam County. I don't think Carlton committed until, I think it was junior year. I was down there from 04 to 07, and then I took a two-year break because my brother had passed away, a really close friend who was like my brother. And then uh, I went back, and when I went back, Carlton was there. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Carlton should still be in college. I feel like that was just yesterday. But I mean, that was, he graduated high school 13 years ago. So things have changed so drastically now where I feel like if Carlton was in high school today, he'd be, I'm not saying he would because obviously he comes from, you know, a basketball background with his family. And I'm sure Harold would make him think it through. But I, I would say that he would be, playing AAU with a lot of kids who are freshmen that are announcing their commitments or announcing their visits and stuff like that where, you know, Carlton, I think it was I'm pretty sure it was his junior year, maybe early in his senior year I can't remember, but I mean, that's how much it's changed in the last 13 years these kids are, they're announcing their commitments before they before they can drive Yeah, that is very true young kids saying where they're going to college yeah, and you don't even know, okay, so say a kid says, hey, I'm going to go to this school as a freshman, but then by junior year, maybe they just get uninterested, they're burnt out, or so many things can happen in between that time. Absolutely. No, I mean, everything can change, and I mean, I think a lot of these kids, you know, they announce verbal commitments, and programs want to kind of lock them in just in case, you know, and when 
don't, you know, they don't pan out. Unfortunately, I think some sometimes those kids are just kind of left last minute to look for a program, you know, and, and the college moves on. But it's kind of the nature of the business today. Like it or disagree with it, I mean, it's just kind of, it's, it's the world we live in now. We have made reference to the casino a few times after you left Western Carolina. You were at a casino for a short-lived amount of time. Let's just talk about that experience. That had to be uh, an experience, to say the least. It was different. I mean, it was just something that I just kind of need to experience to kind of really appreciate being on the baseball field. But, you know, I got offered a really a, a really good job. You know, financially, it was just it, it was a good opportunity. And I just kind of needed a little break, to be honest with you. You know, I got to meet some cool people and it was a really cool job. It was involved, like I got to golf a lot. I got to go golfing with people and kind of got to just paint out. It was an executive position and I still to this day don't know why they hired me. <laughs> I really don't. I think it's just because I could talk to almost anybody, but you know, you kind of meet, it, it was just a good opportunity because like I can, I can really talk to anybody and I got to meet just people from all walks of life and it was a huge casino. It's the biggest casino resort in North Carolina and I don't know why they thought I'd be really good at it. I still don't understand why, but it was, it was a cool experience. I'm glad I did it. I learned a lot. I worked with some great people. I, I worked with some really nice people. You know, ultimately it just kind of made me realize I need to be back on the baseball field. <laughs> How long were you at the casino? Uh, seven weeks and COVID hit. So, so a um, real short lived time. Yeah. I mean, but it was, like I said, it was a cool job. I hadn't had a job where I had to dress up every day. I, I definitely had never had a job that golfing was part of it. So I enjoyed that aspect of it. And I enjoyed a lot of the perks and just kind of talking to people. I just really just got to meet people and, and socialize. And that was, that was kind of the, the basis of my position at that point so it didn't get too far because obviously when COVID hit everything changed and you know the family decided to make a move and here we are did you meet anybody famous while you were there or anybody cool <laughs> yeah uh, yeah I met uh, how would I put this uh, former point guard with the 76ers that a lot of people would know about I'm not <laughs> like trying to name drive. it was just we're near Atlanta so we got a lot of a lot of former uh, professional athletes a lot of current professional athletes that come up there few movie stars would show up um it was it was cool you know each weekend was something different but i will say i got to meet brett michaels and that was really cool <laughs> brett Mike, i always like you know i always like those guys so that was probably one of the cooler ones but uh he, he had a concert there the rest of the people were just there more on vacation so got to hang out with them a little bit but brett michaels had a concert and i got to i got to hang out with him in the afternoon so that was cool that's pretty awesome did you uh get an autograph no, no, I have my picture. He's short. I didn't realize how short he was. But uh, really cool guy. Extremely down to earth. Just really cool. Actually, a huge, uh, huge sports fan. Pittsburgh guy. Just kind of talked, talked Ben Roethlisberger more than anything. Huge Roethlisberger fan. I did not know that information about Mr. Michaels. Now I do. That's awesome. <laughs> he's a good guy. He had, uh, he's had some health issues over the last few years. So like he was kind of telling me about that. But you're very down to earth. Very down to earth. Uh, it, was, it, it was cool. Like I said, it was. It just kind of teaches you just how to like talk to people and have some social feel. And uh, it was a good job. It was. It was fun, but it definitely made me realize that I'm not happy unless I'm throwing a baseball or catching a baseball or hitting a baseball. So made me appreciate what I got now. That's for sure. So it was like kind of like a paid vacation. I hate to say it, but yeah, it definitely was. It was a long paid vacation. <laughs> I think I got paid. I got paid by the casino for longer than I worked there. They were great to me. They were outstanding because I didn't work for like. I think I worked there for seven weeks, and I was paid for almost three months. <laughs> I was like, you gotta be kidding me. They're really good. They're really, I mean, very generous. Uh, Really nice. I mean, just super, super friendly, super like family oriented. Whatever we needed, we got. I mean, it, it was a good job, but it's not baseball. It was the first time in my life, though, that I had a job where, you know, I watched the clock and I made sure I only worked eight hours. And I knew that it wasn't right because I'm, I'm the type, anybody that knew me from Putnam County or knew me as a coach, I mean, I, you know, I put in tons of hours of work and never think twice about it. But that job, I mean, I was out of there at 5.30, and my, you know, I, I didn't stay around at all. It was like 5.30, I was out of there. But we lived right by uh, Smoky Mountain National Forest, so, I mean, it was really nice area to not be at work at, I'll just put it that way. So you're like, hey, if I'm not at work, I got all the scenery, got 
all this other stuff that you could be doing. So it couldn't have been bad at all. Yeah, I lived right off the Blue Ridge Parkway just south of Asheville. So, I mean, just a lot of cool places to go. Drove the Jeep around a lot with the top off and just enjoyed the nice weather. But I was probably the only person in America that moved to Illinois during COVID. <laughs> I guarantee it. I guarantee it. But no, I'm happy. The girls are happy. You know, this is, you know, probably this is home. We, we needed to leave for a little bit to, to see that. And, you know, sometimes you need to you need to get perspective on things and, you know, all part of growing. So we did and we're happier now for it. So it was a family decision like, hey, everybody wanted to come back to Illinois, whether it's, you know, central, northern, whatever. You're like, hey, we're going back to Illinois. Oh, yeah, the girls, be, you know, they batted their eyes at me, and I can't say no to that. So it was their call. They want to do this basically for their dance careers, and this is what they enjoy, and they miss their dance school, so I can't say no to them. <laughs> Anybody that knows me with my girls, they know I'm a huge pushover. <laughs> so, <laughs> And where is the girls' dance studio at? Champagne. They're down in Champagne. Art in motion. Oh, yeah, they, they're there more than they sleep. So it's just kind of a win-win-win for everybody. Yeah, it's, it's more of a comfort level. You know, we're, we're more comfortable than anything. And I never thought I would hear anybody say that about Illinois. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's not the mountains. It's not, uh, it's not North Carolina. It's not Tennessee, man. But family's here and baseball's here. So what else more in the world do you need? Well, I hear you have a game tonight. We play the Quincy Gems tonight at, I think it's supposed to be at 730. So, yeah, play tonight. And, uh, we are, the second place team is about to play here at 530. I'm watching them warm up right now. And uh, hopefully we can pick up a game on them. I'd love to see these guys lose again. <laughs> got to have friendly competition, but you got to you gotta have your strong points too. Like, you guys lose, we win, we're up a game. The beauty yeah, of sports. Seriously. The beauty of sports. But it's a four-team league, too, so it's like you see the same teams over and over and over again. So, you know, you kind of get you get used to seeing the same pitchers, the same hitters. And after a while, it's kind of all blurred, to be honest with you. Oh, I would believe that. If it's the same people, only four teams. Yeah. We're social distancing, though, so if anybody, if anybody wondered, <laughs> we're staying safe. Well, that is a good thing, that's for sure. I'm sure you were worried about that. Of course I was. You know, I'm worried about your safety. <laughs> I appreciate that. Well, Coach Garsha, thanks for joining Edge of Your Seat Podcast. It's always a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you for your time. All right, bro. Take care.